0: Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. Hey, we're going to receive the offering now. So, there are buckets on the right side of your aisle. So, reach down there and pass it across. Pass it across slowly. Give everybody a fair chance. It's important. Thank you so much. And while you're doing that, let me just uh, give you an update on our Faith Promise. As you know, Faith Promise is the means by which we support our local and global missions during the year. So, we received Faith Promise two weeks ago, and that's for 2018. And we hit an historic number. We've we've had promises now that total about $177,000, and so that's really great. Thank you so much for your generosity and your growing faith and trusting God to supply that, to meet that faith promise. And so thanks for that. There are numbers of you I know who are going to contribute to faith promise over the year, and we'll have more to say about that as we get into the new year. Also, just a reminder that our capital campaign we've called reach it's a two-year campaign it comes to an end at the end of the year the end of the month so i know you'll want to finish strong thank you for your generosity with that looking forward to sharing with you how we're going to be expending the funds that have come in through reach i know you'll be thrilled about it so very very good good news thanks for your generosity so much all right this morning we are beginning our advent series here at union chapel welcome to christmas at Union Chapel, things look beautiful, don't they? And we appreciate everybody who's worked so hard to make it so festive. We are going to follow Mary and Joseph the next month on this journey to bring the Christ into the world, and we're going to learn from them ways that we can overcome certain challenges that all of us face. Today, we want to talk about dealing with change. Anyone ever make plans? They got changed. Anyone like that? Yeah, you you set a course and it got disrupted. And we want to talk about that and learn from Joseph and Mary today, if we can, about that kind of challenge in life. So we've chosen as our text from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 18 to 25, Matthew 1, 18 to 25. If you have your Bibles, you can open there. If not, we'll project the words on the screen. And our custom is to stand to hear God's word so as you're able. Thank you for doing that. he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now may God inspires today and encourage us through his word. You may be seated. Thanks so much. How many of you are planners? You like to, you know, make a list, make plans, and so forth. These are all the people who already have their holiday shopping done, right? Your Christmas shopping's finished. All you planners. Yeah, good for you. When life goes differently than what we had planned, it can be really confusing. Sometimes more than confusing, it can be devastating, disconcerting, can really rock your world, can really wobble your faith. Uh, For example, right now in this holiday season, there are people that I know, maybe you know, who are hunting for a job. And they didn't think they'd have to be hunting for a job this time this year there are people that perhaps you know who are fighting a medical battle they didn't anticipate fighting there are folks who are separated from their spouse and they didn't have plans for that many of our families this holiday season when we sit together we will be facing the empty chair someone precious to us someone we've loved has passed on and no longer with us and we'll have to deal with that grief and the pain of their loss so it can jar you can rattle your faith And you may even be tempted to ask, God, why is this happening to me? Uh, Mary and Joseph had a change in plans. Think about their lives for a moment. They're a young couple. They're in this small town, small village of Nazareth, and they find each other, just as is often the case in our lives. We find someone, and, and we fall in love with them, and we start to make plans. It's what young people do. Folks get engaged to be married, and they they start talking about their future. Where do we want to live? What kind of house do you want to have? What kind of career do you want to choose? How many children do we want to have? You might even be talking about the names of those children. This is what young people do who are planning to make a life together. They make plans. And then we find this amazing moment when Mary is off by herself one day, and she has this Spiritual experience, this profound experience—it's a holy moment when an archangel approaches Mary and says, "Hail to you! You are most favored. God has selected you to be the bearer of His Son to the world." And Mary hears this news, and she's really quite taken by it. And her her response when the angel says to her, "And you will, you will." bear a son and you'll give him this name she stops him and this is when she first speaks and she says now look maybe you haven't heard but you know joey and i we haven't so how can we and the angel said that's not a problem you're going to conceive by the holy spirit and give birth to the son of god now this is an amazing moment as i say it's a holy moment and mary's response to this invitation is be it done to me according to your word I love God with all of my heart, and I will do whatever he asks me to do. And it's a powerful, powerful thing. And then we find Joseph in this story, and Mary's excited to share with him this news. Joseph Joseph, uh, is part of this story as well, and they have made plans. And now Mary's going to tell her this wonderful, exciting news that she's pregnant. Now, how many of you would vote and say that Joseph's going to be excited to hear that news? Or you might vote to say he's freaking out? How many how many think he's freaking out? Joseph is he's freaking out for sure. He's losing it because this is, this is a horrible moment for him. He's crushed. He's humiliated. He's brokenhearted. He's embarrassed. This is shameful. He's, he's given his heart to Mary. They've made plans. And now she announces to him that she's pregnant and some story about, you know, God's responsible. He's not buying this story. In fact, it's, it's implausible. It's not, it's not believable. It's, it's too out there. And so he, he can't believe it, but he's so disappointed. He's so hurt. He's so brokenhearted. And so he decides that he's simply going to put her away quietly. Back in the first century Palestine, if you were betrothed it had a legal implication today if you're engaged to be married you can break off an engagement with you know just minor inconvenience but in the first century it required a legal process of divorce and it was going to be very very difficult to manage joseph is going to have to tell his family tell his friends Uh, he's already you know put a deposit on a wedding venue he's going to lose that the invitations have already been sent out It's going to be a mess. And plus, on top of that, he's given his heart and trust to this girl. And he loves her. And he has said things to her that he's never said to anyone else. He's gone all in with her. And now she comes up with this story. It is just too much. And on top of that, he's tried to do it the right way. He's tried to lay the right foundation for a long-term, lasting relationship. And he's decided he's not going to have any sexual relations with her until after they're married. And so he's doing everything properly and doing it well and now this this message and so he's he's hurt and he's just going to put her away quietly do the divorce as carefully as he can without adding more insult now put yourself in Mary's shoes if you can she now learns that Joseph is not excited he's going to divorce her and now her life her world has been turned upside down she is now ruined you think about this She's going to be a divorced, single parent with no social or cultural support. She's going to be an outcast in her culture with this son that she's now raising. She'll have to beg all the days of her life for her and this boy, this kid that she's trying to bring along. Family and friends and Joseph and the culture at large are pushing her away because of the circumstances. And you know what she's thinking. You know where she's going with this God, this isn't what I had planned. God, I have served you. I said yes to you and your will, your plan for me, and you're allowing this to happen to me. This isn't fair. This isn't what I planned. Can you identify with that? Can you connect with that level of disappointment when your plans get changed? they are members of our church, family who have gotten ahead a little bit financially, maybe for the first time, and they're looking forward to a fun and prosperous Christmas this year, but then the car blows up. Oh, and all of that's lost. Some of you have poured your life into your kids. Your kids were your whole life. They were everything to you. And now that they've gotten a little bit older, they're making choices and decisions that are completely contrary to the way you raised them. And it is so disappointing, it is so disheartening. You can't understand why. Some of you took a job, you thought it was better for your career, you thought it was better for your family, and then the economy wobbled in that sector, and your job has been downsized, and you've lost your job. You weren't planning that, expecting that. Some of you expected to live happily ever after with that man or woman that you married, and now that's all falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't plan on having migraine headaches or battling depression or fighting cancer or losing my scholarship. It isn't what I had planned. And so all of us can resonate with that kind of experience, those moments in lives, in our lives. And so what I want you to do is look at your outline, if you will, and you'll notice that there's a two-point sermon. This is a two-point sermon. Uh, Because of the time consumed by our wonderful baptisms, the sermon has been condensed. You are welcome. You are... This is called a holiday sermon, and you're in the middle of it right now. It's really happy for you. So here's the first point, but I want you to really try to understand and get this and assimilate this. Take this to heart, you know, try to feel this if you can. And that is you don't have to understand the plan to trust God has a purpose. You don't have to understand the plan to trust God has a purpose. Now look at this verse in Proverbs 19:21. I'll put it on the screen. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. That is such an important truth. And it's so critical that we try to make the application if we can to the circumstance that we find ourselves. Look back at our text in Matthew 1. I'll put it on the screen again for you. But after Joseph had considered this, putting her away, divorcing her quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and says to Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Put yourself in Joseph's dream for a moment. Imagine what he's going through. Imagine the, the emotion, the psychology of this. He goes, wait, what? What? are Are you serious? You mean that crazy story she told me about conceiving by the Holy Spirit? That's actually true? And not only does he understand that God is now right in the middle of this plan, but he unveils the purpose as well. He goes on to say, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now imagine this. Can you, can you feel this? Joseph saying, you mean God is in on this? Are you telling me the last thing I ever wanted is actually part of God's plan and purpose for my life? Do you mean that there's a purpose in the middle of my pain? That there is purpose in the middle of my confusion? There's purpose in the middle of this story that I'm living? Yeah. And then maybe... Joseph heard the same whisper that many of us have heard when we find ourselves in a similar circumstance, the whisper of God's voice, my thoughts are greater than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Maybe you've heard the whisper of God reminding us that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, called to his purposes. The whisper of God reminding us that he has everything under control, that he orders the steps of his righteous ones, and you can trust him. Beth and I have uh, been on two journeys with cancer in our lives. 27 years ago, Beth was diagnosed with cancer. We went through surgery and radiation, chemotherapy. Our boys were young at the time, and it was a very difficult process, very, very challenging. Um, Beth's mother actually died of breast cancer when she was 39 years old. So Beth lost her mother when Beth was only nine years old. And it runs in the family. You know, the genetic mutation is there. And, and so now Beth was diagnosed. It was very threatening, very scary, devastating in every way. And we began to live through that journey. And, of course, Beth was diagnosed again just about a year and a half ago. And we've gone through surgery and through chemotherapy and radiation again. And uh, Beth will have her final surgery, her last surgery on December 15th, so just a couple of weeks. And so you can be praying for her as uh, we're looking forward to having this behind us once again. We have actually been given this gift of perspective after going through cancer the first time. And Beth and I have actually sat down and asked ourselves the question, what are the best things that ever happened to us? Now, apart from Jesus, who's the best thing that's ever happened to either one of us, uh, that kind of is the foundation. That's the cornerstone. That's, that's from which we ask the question, what's the best thing? Because Jesus is the best thing that ever happens to anyone. If you know Jesus, the best, I know the best thing that's ever happened to you, and that is you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the best thing that's ever happened to you. That's, I, I get it. And we found each other and married each other, and so that three-chord strand is a pretty strong unit And so, assuming that Jesus and one another are the best things that's ever happened to us, what then beyond, on that foundation, what are the things that are the greatest blessings, the greatest things that have ever happened to us? And the first thing on our list is our boys, our family, our children, and extended family, the greatest thing that's ever happened to us, and I'm sure that you can resonate with that. It's a wonderful gift of God to have children and to enjoy that blessing. And then the second thing, we've put this on our list We have this top three best things that ever happened to us. And the second thing is you uh, being associated with this church and having the opportunity to lead. And a pastor at Union Chapel is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to us. And when we think about the things we have done together, the things we are doing together right now, and the things that we are making plans to do in the future, it, it has profoundly affected us in so many redemptive and meaningful ways and so I, we can say that you are in the top three things of the best thing that's ever happened to us. And then we ask the question, well, okay, well, what's next? If our children and, and leading this church are the best two things, what's the third thing on the list? And we concluded that Beth's first bout with cancer is one of the best things that's ever happened to us. And I know that sounds crazy, and I know it's counterintuitive, and it makes you wonder, what we're thinking, but we now have 27 years of hindsight. Now, I'm not talking about the latest bout with cancer. We're too close to that. Oftentimes, when you're in the middle of a big change, the middle of a big mess, it's hard to dif- differentiate what the heck's going on. That's why there's so much confusion and uncertainty and fear and all that stuff. You have to sort that in a process. But now that we have 27 years of perspective from the first time we went through this experience, we can honestly say that our personal lives, our, our marriage, our ministry, our financial status, virtually every meaningful category in our lives has been enhanced because we went through that experience. And so I can tell you with a straight face, I can look you right in the eyes and say, you don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. You don't have to understand the plan to know that God has a purpose. Almighty God has promised to order the steps of his people. To always be with us and never leave us. To always be beside us. And to give us the counsel and the care and the comfort we need no matter what. No matter the challenge, no matter the storm, no matter the crisis. This is the God we serve. And what we can say by the experiences that we have had so far in our lives is that you don't always have to be able to track God. But you can always trust Him for the best outcome. Because this is the kind of God we serve. He's a good God. He's good all the time, and he has good in mind for you. And even in the midst of the change of plan that may feel devastating and like crisis, this change of plan actually has within it the greater purposes of God. His ways are higher. His thoughts are greater. This is the God that we serve. And I want you to be encouraged by that today, especially if you're in the midst of a change of plans that are very difficult to manage. So here's what happens. Joseph may have thought, we're doing this for God. Okay, I agree, God. Uh, I understand the big picture. You have purpose in all of this. There's a plan, and so I'll go along. So Joseph and Mary may have thought, well, because we're following God's best plan for our lives, that this is going to be good. This will be easy. This will be without a lot of hassle. (laughs) The first thing Joseph Is asked to do is take his nine month pregnant wife on a donkey for 80 miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. It's an 80 mile journey. Now, think about this. This boy has his wife, who's nine months along, on top of a donkey going 80 miles. She goes into labor. On top of a donkey. (laughs) He is so dead. He is so he is so dead. These are real people. They're they're not floating along on a cloud. These are real people. Every five minutes there's a contraction. And she's on a top of a donkey. He hasn't made any travel plans. He made no hotel reservations. He is he is such he is in deep stuff. He's in so much trouble can't even imagine. Uh, Joseph, Joseph, Joey, the the contractions are two minutes apart. Uh, We'll be there in just a bit. Hang on. (laughs) Oh man, that's like the wrong answer. When Beth and I were pregnant the first time with our son Aaron, we were very, very determined to uh, deliver this baby in a natural way and we did the Lamaze Natural childbirth classes, and we attended every class, and we practiced all the time, and I was coaching her up, and we were learning how to blow through these contractions until you m- make transition, and I I knew all the terms. We were ready to go. We had our focal point. We everything was in place, and so we go to the hospital, and the contractions are getting closer and closer together, and this was on a Saturday afternoon, and uh, and so contractions now are about three minutes apart, and. And then I turned on the TV because uh, it was Saturday afternoon. (laughs) And in a matter of seconds, I got the look and the lecture at the same time. It was really something. I think right in the middle of a a contraction, she reeled me back in. But the game, no, it's it's the wrong answer. So, so you're dead. You're dead meat in a moment like that. You have to do better. And so heads up, guys. The, the, delivery, the delivery, this is a real woman delivering a real baby. And she does it in a cave around some farm animals. The circumstances of the birth were, were just horrible. And then within days, King Herod actually, they find out King Herod wants to kill their baby. Listen, this is a real man and a real woman and a real baby. This is my baby. And now the king's trying to kill my baby. And so they run for their lives. They head to Egypt, and they're there for some period of time. Now, fast forward 33 years. Try Try to put this into context. Mary, who is the mom who said yes, the mom who said yes, she's the one who said, may it be done to me according to your will. This is the one who said to God, I love you. I'll do whatever you ask. She's now looking at her son. She's there at Calvary. He's stripped down naked, flayed open by a whip with razor-sharp pieces of metal and bone. He's pinned with spikes, wrists and feet to a wooden cross. Just feet away from her. The only way for him to get breath is to push up on the spikes in his feet and to pull up with the spikes in his wrists. He He has a crown of thorns that is causing blood now to run down his face and and mat on his face and making it impossible for him to see and difficult to breathe. And his face is so bruised and bloody. The Bible tells us he's so swollen that he no longer looks like a human being. And she is there. This is the mother who said yes, and she's looking on. And you know what she's thinking. You know what's going through her mind. God, this isn't fair. This isn't right. He doesn't deserve this. He's done everything right. We did everything you ask us to do. Make this stop. This wasn't in our plans. People are hurling insults at him. They're spitting on him and cursing him. You're all that. If you saved others, save yourself. If you're you're some great king, then extricate yourself from the cross come down from there mocking tones they're close enough and Mary is to hear him can hear him say father forgive them they don't know what they're doing and then finally one last gasp of air it is finished we can't even get our get our minds around this moment listen to me No mother should have to see that. But we can imagine her on her face, on the ground, broken, sobbing, screaming, inconsolable. This isn't what I had planned. But let me remind you, Joseph and Mary had a plan, but God had a purpose. Joseph and Mary had an idea of the way it should work out just like we do but God had a purpose. Now, this time of year, those of us in the faith in a postmodern post-Christian secular culture, we have to say out loud things like Jesus is the reason for the season because Jesus can get lost. He can be misplaced in the midst of our culture. So we say it and we hang it up. And we hang it on the Christmas tree, and we put it on signs and add it on our Christmas cards. Jesus is the reason for the season. Okay, we understand. We celebrate the birth of Jesus in the season. But Jesus wasn't the purpose. And it's the second point in your outline. I want to make this point. I want to make it as clear and as concise as I can. The purpose was you. The purpose was you. The reason Jesus came to the earth was for you. It was for your benefit. It was for your salvation. And you shall give him the name Jesus. Joshua, Yeshua, which literally means salvation. The name Jesus means Savior. And this was God's purpose. He had a plan in order to fulfill this purpose, which was to save his people from their sins. The Bible says, For God so loved the world. He loved you and me. He loved us all, loved the world so much that He gave His Son. This is His purpose, so that if we believe in Him, we'd not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the purpose of God. This is the whole point of the incarnation that Jesus coming to be a human being, His humanity is centrally important to becoming a perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. The virgin birth has a central purpose in the economy of God, that Jesus was born without inherited sin, without original sin. All of us were born of a natural father and therefore inherited from our father Adam, the tendency, the bent, the propensity to do wrong, to rebel against God, to commit sin. But Jesus was born without that nature. And so when he was tempted in all things like we are, he was found without sin. And as a result of that, he becomes the perfect sacrifice, the spotless lamb, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And all of this on purpose. And the purpose was you. Mary will give birth to a son, Matthew 121, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I listen to me, we'll bring this in for a landing. If you are one of those who have had a change in plans, this message is for you. You already knew that, right? This is for you. I know your pain is real and I know the changes that you've endured have created much upheaval in your life. I know. But remember this thought. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has purpose. God has a purpose. God has a purpose in your life. God has a purpose in the midst of the circumstances you are now experiencing. God has a purpose for you. Now let's pause just for a moment, contemplate these things, and let's pray. While we're, while we're praying this morning, let me ask you this question. How are you doing spiritually? How are you doing you so say, I'm trying, trying to be a good person. I, I'm better than some people I know and not of others. I've even helped some people, so I'm not a bad person. Well, let me just remind you what the Bible teaches about you and me and all of us. However good you are, you're not good enough. You can't try hard enough to be good enough for God. We all have to admit that we've done some bad things. We've all sinned. And Christmas, Christmas is precious because it's a reminder of God's amazing love for us by sending his one and only son to die for us. And so right now, today, you're not here by accident. You're not here by coincidence. You heard these powerful testimonies, a witness before baptism today. And maybe God is speaking to you. And maybe you're hearing that you're part of a bigger purpose, that God has specifically made provision for you to be included in his family. Yeah. Yeah. And so the invitation is given to you today to say yes to this amazing gift of forgiveness, hope, and life found in Jesus Christ. And it's as simple as receiving a gift. You open your mind, you open your heart, you open your hands, you receive it. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. And so today, if you believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he is, you can receive his gift of forgiveness by simply praying, Heavenly Father, today I trust you. Today I look to you to forgive me of my sins and to include me in your family. Friend, if you pray that prayer, God will hear it. He hears that prayer every time. And so be close to him. And if you're a person today and you're living in a moment of change, unexpected things have happened to you. God knows your pain. He knows the upheaval. He knows the fear. He understands the difficulty you're experiencing. My invitation to you is to reach out to him, receive the love he offers, receive his peace and receive the assurance in knowing that he has purpose, even in the midst of your pain, that God is good and he will bring you through to the other side because of his faithfulness. Be encouraged then to know that he's with you and he does all things well. In all these ways, oh God, thank you for hearing our prayers. We love you and we thank you for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said,